On November 8th, Emory & Henry College students will engage in a frank and interactive discussion about sexual misconduct. The discussions held on that day are hosted by the College Dean of Students Office with participation from other areas of the campus community. The event seeks to prevent sexual misconduct among students, both while they are at Emory & Henry and later in life. We talked today with Tracy Wright, Dean of Students at Emory & Henry, about sexual misconduct among young people and how the prevention of sexual misconduct can be aided by others in the broader community. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here today. Let's talk first about the hookup program. Explain what it is. Well, this is an interactive um, program to help students understand um, different types of relationships that they have and the um, understanding, broaden their understanding of gender stereotypes and how those can often help contribute to a rape culture. Additionally, it helps um, individuals understand the necessity of securing um, consent before engaging in any type of um, activity or um, acts with um, someone that they might be interested in. And then it's going to provide our attendees with some techniques for how they can be wonderful bystanders who might intervene in terms of preventing a sexual assault or um, um, sexual, deviant sexual behavior from occurring. So this is an event or a series of events, and when is it? This is an event. It's one, uh, we're offering it twice on Monday, November the 8th. We'll have a 12.30 presentation as well as a 7 p.m. presentation. When you say it's interactive, what does that mean? We have a trained um, facilitator who is coming, and this facilitator will actually engage the audience in dialogue and having them provide information based on their personal experiences um, and experiences of others that they care about. It was interesting. I saw some of the video that was part of the promotions package on it, and it seems like they get pretty frank in their discussions about sex and sexuality. They definitely do, and we felt like that was really an important um, attribute of the organization that we wanted to partner to bring to our campus. Because, um, you know, sometimes when folks hear these conversations, we try and um, sterilize the conversation. But we felt like having someone who's going to speak to our students in particular in language that they use day in and day out would be really beneficial. Um, so we are hoping that that frankness and that rawness to the conversation will really invite the students to jump in and engage. Do you think that our students are comfortable in that environment? Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure I do. <laughs> I'm speaking as an old man who doesn't really know the lingo that the students are using, but I guess the language they use to describe sex and sexuality is very different these days. For some. I mean, I, I want to be transparent that not every student um, will feel necessarily a comfort, sense of comfort, but I would say the majority of our students, um, this um, setup will really speak to what they're comfortable with and the type of language that they use on a daily basis. And I'm really happy because I had student involvement in terms of helping to select a presenter to come to our campus, and I felt like that was really important based on some 
reports coming to my office in terms of some um, behaviors being exhibited, particularly from male students towards our female students this semester. You know, in my day, and again, I'm sounding like an old person, we never had this kind of training. And I guess the question surfaces as to whether things have gotten worse in the area of gender relations or understanding of sexual misconduct, or if we're just more aware of the need to address it. I think probably we're doing a better job in terms of helping folks understand the need to address it and helping to create an understanding and awareness of what is and what is not. And it seems like at least this semester, based on the data that I'm seeing um, from cases, that at least the female students on our campus fully understand that. But we still have opportunity with our male students. Um, again, this is based on reports that have come forward from this semester, because I definitely understand that it can be male-on-male um, um, activities that are, are considered and that are sexual harassment, and there can also be female-on-female. -female. However, for our campus, for, based on this semester, it has been males exhibiting certain behaviors towards females that has risen to the level that I have um, concerns and I'm trying to address. So I think our female students have really understood that um, the training and the messaging from the trainings that we have been held so far, it seems like there is a disconnect for our male students at this particular point. It seems like this is happening at all colleges and universities, some kind of educational training on uh, sexual behavior. Is it uh, something that is done always with women and men together? I'm assuming that's what we're doing here is we're bringing men and women together in this discussion. You're correct. And um, most often it is um, in bringing the genders together. Um, there are certain cases and instances where you might separate out by a gender identity, but um, I would say most campuses do. And, of course, new Title IX regulations make it very clear that campuses have an obligation to train and educate. And, in fact, on our campus, we have embraced and adopted a policy where at the beginning of each semester we have mandatory training for all of our incoming students. And then we also conducted an electronic um, training sessions through safe colleges that every student must complete on an annual basis as a reminder. It's that big of a need and that big of a concern. Is there any advantage to having men alone in this conversation? I think there can be, and we have done some of that. We've been very fortunate. Um, our Title IX coordinator, Ms. Shannon Patterson, has been invited to go and meet with some of our athletic teams which has afforded us a wonderful opportunity to have that single gender uh, setting to talk about these issues. But I think there's also power in terms of men hearing voices of women saying um, that's not okay. When men do this, I am threatened. When men do this, I am violated. So I think um, that power that can come when women can find their voice in a mixed gender setting is so powerful and really important to this conversation. 
What are some of the things that are taught? What are the the sort of the foundational issues that men and women have in this interplay that need to be addressed? Well, um, I think some of the most important things is just making it clear on what um, constitutes sexual assault. Um, you know, sometimes the students don't fully under- come to us understanding that because many high schools, unfortunately, are not engaged in doing this training on an annual basis. You know, you have some classes uh, spread out depending on the school district and what that district is allowing um, that might educate students before they get to colleges and universities. Um, so we start at the basis in terms of helping students understand really what it is. So we want, and if it's, I guess it's okay if I use some of the terminology um, from the training, but we talk about fondling. Um, if it's not consensual, that constitutes an assault. If it's um, um, sodomy, that would constitute as an assault. If it's um, penetration of another person's um, body, that constitutes as an assault. And so without we, consent, without consent. Thank you for that clarification. And so we really think it's just vitally important that we not um, hide these things under the weeds because we want on both sides, whether you're the what we would call the respondent, who is the person being accused of a sexual um, act that was not consensual, uh, we want that person to have full knowledge of the types of things that can trip them up and that can change their lives. You know, that's what I try when I'm involved in these trainings to do is to help our students understand whether you're the complainant, the one that this act that was unwanted has uh, and non-consensual has occurred to, or if you're the respondent, the person who this claim is being made, lives are changed forever. You know, um, to have to go through that process, and even in cases where I've seen cases where young men have been had the complaints lodged, but there wasn't enough um, will, the case didn't move forward. Still, there's an impact there for those individuals. And so there are certain things that we can all do that can just prevent any gray area. I don't want there to be that grayness of a certainty. Did she consent or did he consent or did they not? It should be crystal clear. And um, Shannon Patterson has started adding in her presentations that it's almost an environment where you would be wise to almost getting in writing, you know, that we're both agreeing and consenting to these activities before we engaged in them. Is getting something like that in writing going to happen, though? <laughs> I don't think so. We've all, well, perhaps we've all been there in terms of you're in the moment and uh, taking out a sheet of paper. You know, it's, <laughs> if we can get students in that moment to at least take some type of protection, whether that's using a condom mm-hmm. or a form of birth control, we're doing well. I think the respect that folks are going to whip out a sheet of paper and a pen or get their phones out and text, I'm giving you consent, um, is probably not going to happen. But I guess the point is to help the young people pause yes. and think about what they're doing. To know how serious. I mean, it's, it's, it's not something to be taken lightly. I'm talking today with Tracy Wright. She is the Dean of Students at Emory Henry College. We're talking about a, 
a program called Hookup, which is going to be taking place on November 8th. It's an interactive program designed to help educate students about sexual misconduct and the implications of it. Tracy, we're going to go to a break, and when we come back, I want to talk about how the idea of sexual misconduct and the education about it occurs among young people prior to their college experience. You are listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. I am your host, Dirk Moore. You are also listening to WEHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Support for Together to Get There comes from People Incorporated, one of the largest community action agencies in the country. For 55 years, People Incorporated has helped communities and individuals build good futures and realize their dreams. Support for WEHC comes from Tumbling Creek Cider Company, a craft brewer of heritage full-bodied hard ciders in the heart of historic downtown Abingdon, 112 Court Street Northeast. Open daily and online at TumblingCreekCider.com. Tumbling Creek Cider Company, serving the spirit of our community. Patty, won't you have some? Patty, won't you drink some? Patty, won't you have some good old cider? Patty, won't you have some? Welcome back to Together to Get There. Today I am speaking with Tracy Wright. She is the Dean of Students at Emory & Henry College. We are talking about educating students on this campus about the dangers of sexual misconduct and the implications for both the perpetrators and the victims. And Tracy, uh, during the break we were talking about how the upcoming event that you're hosting, the hookup program, the hookup event, which is on November 8th, is open to other members of the community and the staff. Is there something that you want people uh, or who work with students to understand? Is there an education that needs to be occurring with the faculty and staff at a college that can help in this process? Well, first of all, I would hope that we're all um, joined, joined in our um, understanding and belief that sexual misconduct is not acceptable, whether it's um, our star um, student doing research in our program, whether it's an athlete that we might need to serve a particular role on our team, no matter our key student leader um, who's serving in a significant role, it doesn't matter if a, a allegation is brought to our attention, we have an obligation and a responsibility to report. And um, the allowing such behavior to um, exist on our campus for any reason is not acceptable. So um, I would hope that my colleagues are all linked in that belief that uh, we all uh, will hold students accountable, as well as our colleagues, because this isn't always just a interaction that occurs between students. These types of miscon sexual misconducts can happen um, colleague to colleague, colleague with a student, student with a colleague, no matter what shape or form it takes place, it's not acceptable and it's not okay. 
and we all need to understand how to report these incidents through our Title IX coordinator. As we discussed earlier, it's probably the case that all colleges and universities are dealing with this and dealing with the education around sexual misconduct. What is it that is, though, happening before college? Why is it that colleges are having to deal so much with this? Is there not perhaps enough programming going on in, in schools or in churches or in, at home that could help eliminate the need or reduce the need for this kind of education programming? Unfortunately, there's not uh, that level of coordinated and consistent education that's going on. Um, it really depends on the community. And as a, a resident here in Southwest Virginia, uh, one of the things I keep my eyes clear on is it's a very conservative area. So we have many churches, uh, many school districts that would actually have policies in place, have made a conscientious decision to not talk about these things with their students or young people within their midst. Is it because the language around sex is so difficult for them or, or because it's uh, an unfamiliar approach for them? And is there, because of that, perhaps a way that we can help communities to address this issue early on? I think for some communities, there's that belief that topics such as this um, should take place within the home and it's the parent's responsibility or guardians um, to um, decide what type of information of this nature would be shared with um, young people. However, the reality is not all parents have the skill set or understanding, and um, these things are happening, even at the high school level. Um, my sister is a school counselor at a high school in Tennessee and was sharing something I had not heard of, but apparently there's these TikTok challenges that um, every month, I think, is a different one, and one is coming up where... And TikTok is a form of social media. Yes, thank you for clarifying. And, you know, it's these real short little videos that you take and you post. And, you know, the goal is to get as many likes or followers as you can. But um, apparently coming up is a challenge where it's to um, touch your a teacher on the bottom um, challenge. Well... That's not appropriate, and that is a form of sexual misconduct. And, you know, we need to make individuals aware of these particular things. And um, in a culture where you've got other things, whether it's the media, or social media, whatever it might be, that are portraying some behaviors that are not appropriate and that don't always make it clear, I think everything that education institutions that education can do to help individuals understand what is appropriate and what is not, what is lawful and what is unlawful is a positive thing. We talked about TikTok and social media. To what extent is there a problem with the Internet and social media and aggravating these problems? I think it's a factor. It's not the only factor. I would say this year, I think... Um, coming out of a period where a lot of people were uh, quarantined or isolated during the height of the pandemic is also a contributing factor. Um, just that desire to push some limits. Um, it seems like folks' understanding of boundaries have shifted and changed. Um, 
to where at least they're saying and stating that they don't see that as a certain behaviors as an issue. We talked about the reluctance of families and churches and high schools perhaps to address this issue. Is there perhaps a way to address it with them that helps them understand more fully the consequences of not dealing with sexual misconduct, especially in conservative regions like Southwest Virginia? We're very much concerned about teen pregnancy. We're concerned Mm. about abortion, but we're not sort of drawing the connections between sexual misconduct Mm. and those ramifications. Is there a way or are there programs that colleges can utilize to help educate the communities from which they draw students about how to connect the dots between sexual misconduct and other societal issues that we generally agree are deleterious? You know, that's a, you hit the nail on the head with the connections between our lack of education and some of these social issues that we all, many folks talk about and have problems with that are educating young people earlier and more consistently could actually help us alleviate some of those issues such as teen pregnancies and abortion rates and things of that nature. Um, And then you raise an important question in terms of the role that we as an institution in our higher education can and probably should be playing in terms of trying to help shape those conversations. And I'll just be honest in saying I have not engaged in conversations with um, leaders of school districts, but that you have given me pause for thought as to how I can get a seat at some of those tables to have be a part of those conversations. You know, not to preach, but I think that higher education, not just this institution, is in a position to do that because we are very much trying to educate students for their future. We are, especially at church-based institutions like Emory and Henry, trying to inculcate certain values that help people live more moral and just lives. So it seems like it would be a sort of a natural extension of the work that we're trying to do in helping our current students understand the implications of sexual misconduct. We do have at Emory & Henry a very diverse student population, and if I'm wondering if you notice that there are differences among students in relationship to this issue in terms of geography, where they come from. Are more urban students perhaps a little bit more savvy about this issue than, say, rural conservative students, or, or does that seem to matter at all? I haven't necessarily seen a huge difference. Um, Maybe on the side of the respondent, which would be the students that an accusation might be made against, perhaps more of them come from environments where they're stating that such behaviors from their home communities are more widely accepted than they are here. So this event, the Hookup Program, is happening on November 8th. Uh, there's two events on that day. It's 12... One at 12.30 and one at um, 7 p.m., and it's a co-sponsored event. I'm so uh, grateful to have support from our athletics department and our Title IX office, our new student experiences, all in the Dean of Students office are all coming together to make this possible. Do you see this as something that will happen every year? I think so. We're already having some conversations about... Um, If this turns out the way we think it will, that we need to make this an annual event. 
Tracy Wright is the Dean of Students at Emory & Henry College. She is hosting a program called Hookup that is intended to educate students in an interactive way about sexual misconduct. The event is on November 8th. Thank you, Tracy, for being here and for all that you're doing for Emory & Henry students. Dirk, thank you for the opportunity. You have been listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. I am your host, Dirk Moore, and you are listening to WEHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. <laughs>